not able to make it nor is jake we uh we did a little traveling this week we made our way down to gillette wyoming and i have with us steve what's your last name steve schofield steve schofield jack fabian yeah i, I mess your name up every time dude <laughs> also to you as you guys know because we talked about it several times we came down here to take a todd bennett class and todd bennett is with us hey todd hey how are you good good so gillette wyoming it's windy here Yes. It, just just when you showed up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, I actually was considering moving here, and there's one reason. You want to know that reason? What is that? Drive through liquor stores. <laughs> is that <laughs> not the coolest thing in the world? Yeah. Yep. So anyway, we came down to the class, and um, we got our asses kicked by Todd Bennett. Yes, we did. Hardcore. <laughs> Man, it was that bad. <laughs> and, well, we're, we're going to get into what, you know, there's three of us here that took the class. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to go ahead and kind of uh, talk uh, to, to Steve and Jack here, and they're going to kind of give us a little bit. So, Steve, how long have you been flying helicopters? Oh, Jack got me into it about, I think it was about 2007. Um, I started on a Blade CX, and uh, after a little bit of flying that, Jack got a 450 about the same time, and he's like, dude, you just need to hover my 450. You'll find out it's a lot easier. And I was just kind of like, nah, nah I don't want to wreck it. Don't want to wreck it. So we slapped some training gear on it that we made out of two carbon fiber arrows and like a couple of wiffle balls mm-hmm. and uh that's a nice that's a nice friend by the way you don't want to wreck his helicopter i know well you know <laughs> and, that's, um, that's changed by the way my, <laughs> that's, yeah. I'll, I'll crash this shit every time now i wish my <laughs> friends were like that but uh anyway so we started hovering uh in the high school gym here and and uh it just kind of took off from there i think within a week i had a 450 and then we ended up scoring a couple of raptor 50s so that was kind of our first step into nitro and then from there, it just kind of exploded, and, and we, we went. But since 2000, I think Jack started in 2006, and I came along in 2007. So. But how much flight time do you have, which we learned this weekend? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the flight time was we got together maybe, what, twice a month first? Yeah. yeah. And we, we were crashing so much, but we didn't have much of a resource here. Um, you know, we, it was just kind of us. And so, you know, we, we were trying to figure out just how to get through our radio programming and everything and it was kind of tough so but yeah we figured it out and it just took kind of a while but flight time yeah it's a little bit low a little bit low yeah and one thing we're going to talk about too uh, todd's experience with coming to an isolated area like this and what he encounters but we'll get into that in a little bit yeah jack go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself um like i said i started like six years ago i was into racing cars the local car track here shut down so i sold all my little 10 scale trucks and eight scale buggies and i uh bought a t-rex 450 sev1 and a dx6 not a dx6i a dx6 and uh taught myself how to fly which was a painful experience Mm -hmm. um i 
dealt with the guys up in Helipros. I took a couple trips up there, and they were super helpful as far as getting me set up and getting my stuff going, and um, did some time on the simulator, and away we went. So Standing next to you is your brother Jonathan. He's scooting out the door. Yeah, Jonathan has got the straightest shoulders I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, yeah, there's another set of headphones over here, guys. Go ahead and uh, grab them. Looks like he's got a neck and a two-by-four. <laughs> so, Jonathan, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. This man. is uh, Jack's brother, Jonathan. Jonathan, how long have you been flying? A couple of years. Yeah? Don't, don't have a ton of stick time, but I'm bringing it up, so. Yeah? Well, why don't you fly too much, man? What's going on? What's getting yeah. in your way, dude? What, why are you not flying? Busy life. Two-year-old. wife, the family. Excuses yeah. are like assholes. You know, everyone's got one. <laughs> Everybody has one. They all stink. I understand. Yeah, that's no excuse. Plus, I was baking in helicopters right and left, but after yeah. this class, I think I'll be, I'll be helping yeah, we got that them little so- problem. Sorted out. Got them all sorted out. A lot of you guys have heard the least of Todd Bennett. He's been in the hobby for a number of years. And he looks like it. I'm sitting right across from him. Yeah, no doubt. Huh? He's a I'm pretty weathered. man. You know. Yeah, you we, think I'm a good-looking guy, huh? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, you know, we always we always say that uh, we don't do video because uh, we pretty much all have uh, radio faces, right? That's a fact. Except for Jonathan, he's he's a. Uh, yeah, he's a good-looking. I don't guy. know, man. I think uh, given the right circumstances, we might uh, be able to strike up a bromance. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, baby. I'm, I'm not into that. Come on now. Jonathan was telling me earlier, you got to ditch the bitch and make the switch. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Todd, tell us Sir. about yourself, man. What? Uh, how did you get started in the hobby, and how long ago was it? Oh, man, I don't know if I can remember it back that far. Um, I was uh, deep into um, slope gliding for a long, long time. So I was riding dirt bikes out in the hills one day. I was, saw these guys flying slope gliders, and I thought it was the coolest thing. I was about 10 years old. And... Uh, I got into that and then was doing that for a long time. And I was working for Northrop Grumman at the time down in Orange County, uh, California. And uh, a buddy of mine, we were up on a hill one day and um, waiting for the wind to come up to fly these slope gliders in this canyon. Um, And uh, he, the wind never came up and he was like, let's go fly my RC helicopter. And I was like, wow, you got an RC helicopter. That was really cool. So we went over to his house and started you know he tried to show me how to hover it with like no gyro in it and it wasn't very easy and uh before you knew it that was it that was the start of it all and i kind of dropped the gliders for a while and then since then picked them back up because that is a true love and it's fun and it's a uh jason Krause and i go out quite a bit and do dynamic soaring and do the slope gliding and it's a lot of fun so that's how what started me on helicopters and and then from there it just kind of grew into a job you know I mean, you guys, you guys that fly at your level, you guys all fly great. But there was a time when you were just like us, mere mortals, crashing um, helicopters. No doubt. I did a lot of stupid things. And everybody thinks just, uh, oh, these guys just show, you know, they pick it up and, and uh, right away and uh, start flying well. But that's not the case. So, How long, how long did it take you from uh, getting your first helicopter to getting to the point where you could go out and fly in front of a crowd and be comfortable and actually put down a performance that they would enjoy? Uh, probably, I, I would say five or six years, if I remember correctly. I mean, it was a it was a while, and then flying in front of a, a crowd of people was an experience in the beginning. I mean, back then the equipment kind of sucked, and uh, things have gotten a lot better, a lot easier, and a lot cheaper. And um, you know, but it, it, it probably five or six years. Tell us about the um, the evolution of helicopters. I mean, obviously, you know, we were talking the other night. We were talking about you know uh, the switching from. Uh, you know, mechanical gyros right. and, and all this stuff. I mean, it's you've seen a huge oh, swing. Yeah. In- I mean, it's it, it seems it 
changed a lot in a very short time, but it started off with like really no gyros and then really bad helicopters that wouldn't really stay together that were, you really had to put in the time to, to build them and then they just, you know, fall apart on you. And I remember having a Schluter Scout and trying to learn death spirals with wooden blades. And I finally did one one day and got so excited, came out in, into a hover from a death spiral and then the thing blew up in my face. So it wasn't fun. Um, but you saw, uh, you know, the, the big thing was when they came out with the mechanical gyro, that was a huge step uh, forward to control the tail. And then uh, piezo gyros after that, and then into the heading lock gyro. And um, so, yeah, it's the, the parts count on helicopters used to be huge. The old miniature aircraft stuff was uh, very difficult to build. And you had to like, if you know, you had to really um, fit things. Like, for example, on a pitch slider on a tail assembly sliding on an output shaft, it, a lot of times you'd put that on there and it just wouldn't slide very easy. It'd be real rough. So you'd have to take emery cloth to the output shaft and really fit a lot of the parts on the helicopter and now you've seen that kind of go away as well so which lends it to i think people it's you know it's really changed to get easier for um newer people coming in but big changes in the in the uh business is you know obviously gyro technology fly barless technology uh, more companies coming in um making helicopters the designers thinking about uh jason Krause, good friend of mine he's was a uh, obviously a is, is a very good designer and um you know always trying to get parts off the helicopter and things you don't need so it's been a gotten a lot better um you know uh pretty quickly really you know yeah and i'm sure i'm missing a lot but uh they've come a long way to say the least a lot easier a lot cheaper um a lot easier to fly so you did your you did your gig as a as a demo pilot and a pro pilot competing why did you decide to do a school uh, actually, um, uh, I never competed in anything. I was scheduled to go to the last IAM and that was, uh, I think he got like 14 grand or whatever, even if he came in like fourth or fifth or whatever. So, uh, then that went away. I think some guy doing a demo for Heroba with an airplane, uh, chewed up some guy's back with a big, uh, airplane. So they stopped doing that. And then, um, by that time they did the XFC and, uh, I just wasn't really into that. Never really into the competing thing for flying for me was always, uh, more of like a surfing thing, watching people fly and learning and all that. So, yeah. And then I got into the demo role for a long time. Obviously, uh, that was fun. And uh, being on top of the game for a while was fun. And then now watching the kids fly is fun. So, you're, you're how long have you been doing the school? How long is that? Uh, probably about 15 years now. Done them all over the world and uh, started off with uh, by myself and then brought in Jason Krause when I started working with him. And then I do some with Matt Bodos and Nick Maxwell. So, it's a uh, Got, we got the the whole instructor thing covered, you know, and uh, I do it full time. Those guys just basically do it part time. And how many classes a year do you do? A lot. Uh, I do one on one a lot. I've got like probably twenty local guys, so that keeps me busy. In fact, they're bitching now that I've been gone for too long <laughs> and uh, got to get back. And uh, probably about I'd say twelve to fourteen of them throughout the year. Um, and then the, the international ones I've kind of cut off on. I just don't like the eighteen hour plane rides anymore. Right. It's unfortunate, but uh, one of the, it's just sitting on a plane for that long is just brutal. And I've done it for too many years. So uh, you're essentially like a helitherapist for all your local guys. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's a lot to do with it. Like you guys learned about the mental game. You know, it's a big part of flying and people just don't realize that. They go out and go through the uh, motions with fueling up the helicopter, putting in batteries and doing the same thing over and over again and not getting a different result and then just wondering why they're not getting better, you know. Todd, I got a question for you. Yeah. 
How come you left out quadcopters in the evolution of helicopters? Quadcopters. That's more of a, for me, more of a filming thing. Like we, uh, I film uh, with a buddy of mine and we just did a speed channel commercial not too long ago. And those things are great for filming, but they just, they're new. I mean, they're just brand new. So really doesn't have much to do with the helicopters because they've just been around for a year or so. Two years, maybe. I don't know. So uh, let me ask you, let me ask you this, Todd, nitro or electric? For me, nitro. I'm still a nitro guy, but uh, eventually I got to do an electric and get up, you know, get more familiar with that because it's just been, um, they've come out and uh, Morgan Fuels has been so good to me over the years. And then training. I mean, you know, going out and flying a helicopter for six minutes at the school and landing, it just doesn't work. So I use raves that Curtis gave me for the school. And then uh, YS sponsors the school um, for uh, the the school engines and uh, they're 61 st2s which is a great engine and they fly for about 18 minutes so you can get students calm down and get a lot done in 18 minutes we're gonna go ahead nick are you can you hear we uh, by the way guys nick kind of joined us here uh we kind of started without him uh, but he was able to get away some free time we're kind of doing a we planned on recording saturday night but that just didn't work so nick uh i think it's time to go in some news huh let's do some news let's do some news This is Pinion for HeliPros.com. You know, sometimes Pinion is out practicing his low-altitude crop circles, or maybe even some low-altitude smack with a little 3D thrown in for good measure, or maybe even an epic skid bump, and things go awry, and I break a part or two on my precious Heli. That is when I need HeliPros.com to come through for me, because not only do they have great prices, but they have the parts in stock and can deliver them quickly so that I can get back in the air as quickly as possible. And for this, Pinion is eternally grateful. Remember, my friends, Helipros fly hard because Helipros has the parts. Yes. Uh, let's see. So first, big congratulations. And you owe me my five bucks. Shut up. Uh, Nick Maxwell, Team Thunder Tiger, taking first place. XFC. Yeah, what a surprise uh, J- there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jamie Robertson got second. Kyle Dahl got third. Um, and a big congratulations to Bobby for winning the night flight. I saw the videos of it, and wow. I mean, what that guy creates at night is truly on a whole different level. He'll be a really, really tough to beat. Yeah, I mean, that's just a, uh, I've, that's the first time I've ever seen Bobby's thing, because every time judging the XFC, um, you know, typical Muncie, you go there, and uh, every, you know, every time has got to be some ridiculous weather. That brings from, from uh, Southern California, we don't see, like, tornadoes and stuff. So, uh, you know, every time, it's like this big system's rolling in, and doesn't look like they're going to do it, and for some reason, Bobby always winds up doing it, and, I, and we always wind up missing it. But he did a spectacular... You saw the video, Nick, online? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was spectacular. And then uh, judging that thing Every- was a lot of fun, too. So, Yeah, everybody says the videos don't even remotely do it yeah. justice. So hopefully, um, maybe I'll get an opportunity one year to, uh, oh, yeah. to see that in person. Yeah, they. I don't know if I can interrupt during the news or not, but sure. it was just the whole Bobby thing was uh, worth mentioning because he just did a spectacular job. And he was a former student that... Uh, Some, you know, here comes this kid that uh, with a Raptor 30 all beat up and messed up and watching him fly today is pretty uh, spectacular. 
and then Nick is, you know, and all the guys there. But, uh, you know, watching the stuff Nick does is just mind-blowing. Todd, you can interrupt me anytime you want, baby. Okay. All right. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> what else you got, dude? Anything else happening out there? We're, we're kind of, you know, we're out here in the middle of Wyoming. We were kind of uh, isolated from the news out here. <laughs> yeah. You have no clue what's going on. No clue. Um, yeah, so they've got some pictures released of a new heli on the it's going to be on the market the dt700e um it's a really really interesting looking heli uh it's kind of almost got like it's a looks like a 700 class it's got kind of like a plastic logo frame set uh, a little bit morphed into like an e7 t-rex 700e canopy and I guess one of the guys from Spain is going to be flying it at 3D Masters. So I was looking at some of the pictures. Uh, take a look in the show notes on the link on that. It's definitely got some very unique features to it. Almost like an enclosed, kind of an enclosed little ball tail case. Um, yeah, it just, it, it looks unique, which is always nice. I, I enjoy seeing anything that doesn't look like any other helicopter out there on the market. So Yeah, some people have a tendency to just take other people's work and copy it, so... Yeah, it's always nice to see something new. You know? <laughs> yeah, real just, bad. That, that was just a shout out to the Chinese. <laughs> so we've got uh, KDE, since they did the XTS uh, head for the 700, now they're going back implementing it into all the smaller models. So they've got it out for the 550 and the 600 series now. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they keep on going down with it because of the success that it's had. So that's kind of cool. Um, Angelo's posted a video up of the Vortex VX1 fly barless unit uh, from Spartan RC. I know this is one that a lot of people have been very, very patiently waiting for. Um, I am kind of one of them. They're, Spartan, I think, has just impressed everyone and kind of dominated the market um, for the tail gyros. And it's been a little bit of a kind of a wonder why it's taken them so long. And if they were, you know, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? But it is. Supposedly it is. And, and they've got some flight videos out of it. You know, obviously videos only do a certain amount for showing it off. But, you know, we'll see. Hopefully it's sooner than later. Sounds good. Um, all right. So the big one. Here's the big one. Um, I don't know if any of you keep up on what's going on on Helifreak. Basically what happened is some line lawyers have been in contact, I guess, over the course of the last six months, year, uh, with Will, the owner of Heli Freak, and originally strongly encouraged him. The, the goal of the whole thing is that they don't like um, clones being intermingled within the Align helicopters discussion because according to them, it's confusing for people to decipher if they're talking about an Align or if they're talking about a clone, and then that could shed a negative light on a line. Uh, so they actually took it, took it a step further and had some lawyers write a very urging uh, letter to Will, basically saying, you can't do this. You're, you're tainting the Align name, even though they're not particularly sponsoring Heli Freak or anything like that. So... Uh, Will, amusingly enough, decided to take exactly their wording and what they were trying to accomplish, which was 
you know, the confusion. That was their thing. We don't want it confused. Well, so he just lumped them all together, the clones and a line, and then just call it 450 class. That way people would know ahead of time that there is a really good chance that they'll be talking about both of them in there. Completely twisted what they wanted to do, but yet still followed their instructions. I commend him. I think it's hilarious. And it's it's just really sad that that a line would, you know, that they would stoop to that level. Jeff Fassbender came in there and was like, oh, no, 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 we didn't, you know, that's not what we meant. And we never said to do this. We never said to do that. And kind of came in there and blew a bunch of smoke up everyone's ass. And then, you know, Will posted the actual letter from the lawyer, which completely contradicted him. So it was just a big pile. It's a mess. So if you've noticed some changes in Heli Freak, that's why. Uh, Baby mama drama, you know. Yeah, that's what crazy. What would the hobby be without it? I yeah, I don't like that pushing around thing. I know, I mean, obviously they're a huge part in this hobby. We all know it. Everyone knows it. The hobby wouldn't be where it's at if they hadn't stepped into it. I mean, they brought a lot to the plate, but you can't, you can't get your head, you know, let your head get that big and start, you know, telling people on the forums. Because if you're, <laughs> you're going to control the market, you got to have that people on your side and it pissed off a lot of people you know and so i i think potentially it really shot them in the foot you know will it actually hurt business uh that's hard to say a lot of people complain about it and then they buy one at the same time they're complaining and it is what it is so we got anything else no that's it man kind of quiet on the front everybody's out flying which is good obviously you guys are absolutely um, one but one thing before we switch off the news jack was uh itching to say something about a helicopter oh i yeah i'm just gonna let everybody know that synergy the e6 e7 was just released with the torque tor torque tube upgrade so you can buy that kit with the torque tube upgrade and also maverick just released their fly barless sport blades um so if you're not doing the hardcore 3d there's a cheaper alternative for you to get into some fly barless carbon blades What's up, dude? My glow starter's lonely. Well, I have a solution to that problem. Yeah, what you got? I'm thinking you should take a close look at the Outrage Velocity N2, man. Why should I? Well, you know, Bert Cameron's really been involved with the with the changes that you've been seeing over there, and I think you're going to see some really fantastic products coming out of Outrage here. Yeah? Nice. I'll take a closer look at that. Perfect, dude. Outrage N2, available at a hobby shop near you. Listeners ask me to go ahead and, and talk about it. They're really interested in it. But before I do that, we, we all know Ed. He's sitting right next to me. He, <laughs> oh, he's not yeah. in front of a mic. So what I'll have you do, Ed, is maybe take Jack's headphones for a minute. Ed makes good coffee, I can tell you that much. And just, you know, pretend that's your boyfriend. Get right up in that thing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, Ed, you came, out to, you came out to Gillette with me. Yes, sir. I wanted to make sure you got the proper training, so teach me, you know. Okay. So, well, I was surprised that your Chevy made it. Ooh. <laughs> okay, I'll be nice. This is the same Chevy that hauls your ass around to every front <laughs> fly, dude. Come on now. 
And I took you all the way, man. I should have left you at the Christmas pass, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ed, you've been here at, uh, this is your second fun fly? Yeah, this is my second one. And? Tell us about it. Did you have a good time? No, I'm having a really good time. Did you get um, some flights in? Hey, you know, I, this a little boy over here, his, his name is Eon, and uh, he shamed me into uh, going into competition. I was right after him, and uh, because of that, I actually got some flying in. Yeah, I did the 60-second uh, hover. And this little Ian guy is about uh, five years old. Yeah? Yeah. Did he, did he beat you in the competition, Ed? I think he came really close. <laughs> but we don't want to discuss that. This is live, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the class. Now, I'm going to give you guys my impression of what I experienced. And, um, you know, it's, it's, um, I came here kind of expecting something a little bit different than what I got. Uh, I, you know, I figured you're going to go, someone's going to teach you how to fly, so you're going to get up there and you're just going to, well, here's how you do this maneuver and how you do that maneuver. But I got to tell you, the biggest thing that I enjoyed the most was you get out there and you got a guy st sitting next to you that is just getting into your head the whole time. And it's not for, for guys that are at our level. I'm sure if you go to Todd and you're a very accomplished pilot, he's going to teach you how to do maneuvers. I mean, that's but yeah. for us, it was about learning how to not freak out. Right, Todd? That's, yeah. that's the big one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest common denominator amongst most students is they're nervous. And uh, putting in big stick inputs and you see the same thing over and over again. And if you don't calm that down, then it's just a waste of two days and a waste of your money. And um, so I placed a lot of emphasis on how the mind works with respect to flying radio-controlled helicopters. And uh, it's amazing. I mean, a lot of people... Um, I've got a lot of students that are very wealthy, and those guys are usually the most nervous of all. And... Uh, one of those things where it just doesn't make any sense. But I went through it too, so you know it's one of those things that you, if you don't pay attention to it, it's never going to go away. One know? thing, one other thing that I did appreciate is uh, learning how to fly the helicopter up in the sky. Uh, I know at home, I never went near the altitude. Now I remember that first flight that went up. I was standing next to you, Dan. And I was like, "Holy shit, we're not going to be able to fly that high." Yeah. It was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I never, I had never flown that high until until this week. Yeah, it's a, a lot of people complain about that, and then they're like, I can't see it and all this, and you take it up double the height, just like you, Dan, and are we nose in or tail in? Oh, we're nose in, okay. Not an eyesight problem, but it's just what you're used to. If you never go up there, you're not going to be used to it. Yeah. So that's pretty much the deal there. So for me personally, it was kind of an emotional, uh, I guess, a roller coaster. The first few flights, it was, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then the, the next series of flights, it kind of goes, you're, it's like you, you, you get kind of this high, like, wow, that was incredible. And then you go to the second time. And for me, it was like, oh, man, that just it didn't feel good, right? But then you go back again. And uh, frankly, the, the final round of flights that we did, I was pleased. I don't know if Tom was, but I was pleased. I yeah, thought, oh, yeah. No, you flew well. And uh, the big thing is um, you're just like any other student. I mean, you guys are no different. We had, we had some helicopters falling apart and stuff like that, but we got that sorted out. And, um, you know, it's typical first class. Uh, when we, Krauss and I started doing these, um, well, and I, especially on my own, I did a lot of traveling schools and brought him in, but we would just, you know, you get there and you got to adapt to what the students need. You can't just ignore the helicopters are falling apart, but we're here to fly. So it doesn't work that way. Otherwise you guys wouldn't have been very happy if, uh, I came here, smoked in all your helicopters, and then did a demo flight and left. You know? <laughs> so. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I tell you what, uh, for those of you who are considering it and you're wondering if you want to spend the money on it, there's just no question. In fact, Ed is uh, already planning on, we were going to kind of wait till next year, but Ed's jumping the gun. He's going to meet up with Todd and Snohomish here in about a month. Yeah, that should be fun for Ed because he's going to get a little, uh, it, it should be just good. Seattle's a good event. We've been doing it for a long time and uh, a lot of cool people up there, a lot of good pilots going this year. I dragged Nick Maxwell out and... Uh, so it'll be a, a real treat for everybody to see him fly because, I, you know, he's one kid that I watch fly and I'm just uh, amazed, you know. So, Jack, why don't you tell us um, what you thought, what, what, what was going through your mind through this class? I, Steve and I started planning this class, what, a year ago? And yeah. we've, I've been in contact with Todd and uh, getting things set up. And so with that in the back of your mind, I've, put in some serious time on the sim over the winter and you know I've just didn't have the guts to do anything and so we came out and I told Todd I want to learn pyro flips if there's nothing else I learned this weekend I want to learn pyro flips and he's like dude you just slow your roll you're gonna learn what you learned and I was like okay so first flight well we got here Thursday morning and he starts looking over my heli and um, totally uh, threw me under the ground and kicked, put the boots to me, and my <laughs> helicopter was not anywhere close to where it needed to be. But that's one of the problems with being self-taught and not knowing the proper way to do things. So we spent four hours on um, Thursday going through my heli and making sure that everything was set up and perfect. And we took it up that first flight, and he takes me up to 5,000 feet or somewhere up there, and he says, all right, pyro flip. And I was like, wait, don't we need to work on something? He's like, just <laughs> do it. So there we did it. I pulled off a pyro flip, and he's like, okay, you need to change this and this, and do it again. I did 25 pyro flips, the first, um, the first battery pack. He landed it, we pulled it back out, um, went back up again, 25 more pyro flips. We went into some TikToks and uh, some stuff like that and four-point rolls and came down awesome. It was absolutely great. And then I had the gremlin strike, even though we had gone over everything for four hours and sucked a um, wire into my main gear. And we ended up putting it in gently, very gently. And I lost a set of blades and some torque two gears, and so I spent the rest of the day rebuilding wiring and uh, getting it back up. But then we came out on Friday, and he just put me through the paces. It's been awesome. Yeah, I've, and you had a really good flight. Uh, there was the round on Saturday went really well for you. But that brings up a good point because Jack's talking about is uh, all these guys always practice stuff in the simulator and then don't really, for lack of better words, have the balls to try it on the real thing. And at some point, you got to get up there and and wing it around and practice. I mean, a simulator is just for that. I mean, you go learn something and then you try it on, on the real thing with a, uh, you know, a, a 95% uh, rate that you're going to, of success that you're going to do okay with it. And Jack did fine with the pirouetting flips. And it's just, um, that, that is the mind game with flying these helicopters that I'm talking about. You know, the other big thing that I learned this weekend is uh, surfing the forums, you know, everybody pinions up and you put your uh, 700 at, you know, 2250 head speed and you govern it there and it's screaming like a mash cat um todd came out and he um redid our stuff and 
we're flying head speeds. I'm flying a 550 at 2000 head speed. We dropped head speeds huge on everything. It does great 3D. I mean, unless you're on the deck doing hard smack, there's no reason to run those head speeds. We're running super low head speeds and doing awesome 3D. And that was something, the helicopter is way more controllable. So, Yeah, and, and it's at 4,800 feet or whatever the altitude is here. Yeah, almost 5,000 feet altitude here. And we're doing it on super low head speeds and doing awesome 3D. So for all those guys that are new or learned off the forums and you're running those stupid head speeds, get them down. Get it down where you can control it and get some flight time. I gained a minute and a half on my packs just from lowering the head speed and getting things squared away. So watch your head speeds. That's yeah, and the newer, the newer pilots, I mean, people get on the forums and find out, oh, I got to run 2,500 because this guy does it or that guy or whatever. And, uh, you know, um, it's just really not necessary. When you're, when you're learning, you need time in the air, not ridiculous power to do climb outs and impress your buddies, you know. So, um, and that's the thing. I think that'll start to go back to lower head speed. I see Nick Maxwell doing it. I think Bobby's doing it a little bit. I did it years ago for many years with uh, miniature aircraft um, early on with a XL four-stroke and then uh, with Hirobo and then miniature again. I mean, just flying the helicopters at lower head speeds. And I think it's a cool thing. I watched Nick Maxwell do a whole routine, his normal stuff at uh, all the wild crap he does at um, a low head speed. And I found it... Uh, more attractive for me because I could actually see what was going on, you know, as, as opposed to the real high head speed on his electric. Well, I think it's a concept of actually learning how to fly. You know, some people, they just automatically feel that they need that. Well, I, do, I, I have to have that. Well, why? Yeah. You know, well, well, because I can't do it at, at, you know, with my 700 class heli, I need to be at 2100. I can't do it at 1900. Well, no, it's not that the heli can't, it's that you can't. So yeah. Yeah, and I take think, the time to learn it right for yeah. once. And then the, the nice part is that once you get up to, it doesn't mean that you still can't go back up higher, but when you get back up there, you're, you're going to still be a lot more efficient. I've seen guys that have gone, you know, have gone away from nitro. Maybe they started on one and then the whole next year, all they flew was electric. They come back and, you know, they're out there tossing it around and, and smacking it around, and they come back and try and fly a 50 size nitro, and they can't even do it. Like oh, they yeah. yeah, that happens all the time, Nick. I mean, I've seen that many times. And it's that's, a clique. Yeah. They're sitting blaming the heli, and it's like, no, because you forgot how to fly. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, they're just used to ridiculous power that's there all the time. And with a nitro, I mean, a lot of guys will, you know, they come back and they start loading it and everything else. So it's a, it's a, that's an interesting point, you know. So, but you see that a lot. I mean, the, I think it's going to come back because all the electrics are so fast that, um, you know, it, it's really not, the, I, I don't think it's about speed anymore, which it, the introduction with electrics and these LiPo batteries and all that over the last couple of years, um, you know, you see these models just really, really hauling ass fast. And, uh, you know, the, I think the next step is not to go faster is maybe to go a little bit slower. So it would be cool to see some of the top guys of today doing lower head speeds, uh, stuff like that, because it's just, it's, it's really, you know, fun to watch for me. You know, no, I agree. It is. I mean, it's it it shows a lot more skill. Yeah, because you know that it takes it to get it to do all of that at a lower head speed. I mean, I can understand running a little bit more on an electric due to the weight. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. They are generally a pound, pound and a half heavier, so that that completely makes sense to me running. You know, maybe a hundred RPM more, but even on my Whiplash, I run two thousand fifty on my Whiplash. 
And that's, I mean, it's coming in at a hair over 12 pounds. That is all that I will ever need. Could I run it faster? Yeah, I mean, I guess. But if I can't do it at that, then I need to go back to the drawing boards. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times at home, I, I practice, uh, I'll take my G4 Nitro with the one, it's got an OS 105 in it and a new Hattori we did. Um, and uh, put the head speed at 1450 and just cruise through slow 3D. And, and then when you turn it up, uh, you'll be blowing some inputs and you get that sorted out. And then you turn the head speed up and you look sensational. So, you know. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go ahead and move on here. Steve, why don't you tell us uh, what you thought about it? You got your, your son in your lap there. Why don't you step up there and say hi, buddy? Can you say hi to the mic? Just talking to that big yellow thing right there. Hello. Hey, what's going on? How you I'm doing? This, how you doing this morning? You flew the quad at the competition. Yeah, I did. How was it? Was it fun? Yeah. Yeah? Did you think you were going to win? Mm, no, did not you, really. Did you, get a, did you beat your dad? Uh, I think. All right, dude. <laughs> Sounds real good. Steve, why don't you tell us uh, about your experience here? What did you think of it? Well, my experience, um, first of all, we, like Jack said, we kind of all got our butt kicked on, on how to set up a helicopter, right? And it's just, it, it comes from that, you know, you're in a hurry, you get the box open, you want to build the helicopter, and sometimes you rush through some things. So we had, we had a long talk about that, long discussion. Now we know what to look for. Um, and like, again, one of the problems of being self-taught. But uh I didn't really know what to what to expect from the class as far as maneuvers and things like that. I guess I just wanted to kind of improve upon what I what I was already doing. I'm kind of more into the big air stuff, doing stall turns, that sort of thing. But I kind of realized that I've been in a rut for a year too. I kind of do the same flight over and over again. I think Dan, you talked about that yes. too. It's like Ed can almost tell you what your typical flight routine is, mm -hmm. verbatim. And uh, so you know, basically the first flight we went up, um, you know, he was, he's like, okay, backflip, forward flip. And that, and that was the first time I'd actually ever tried a forward flip on a real helicopter. I do it on the simulator all the time, but for some reason it seems harder um, than a backflip. And then, uh, and then he goes, okay, we're going to go up and we're going to, we're going to funnel. And like, I've tried to funnel on the simulator, maybe, I don't know, a hundred times. And I mean, every time the bird has ended up in the ground, and so he just said, here's how you do it. And first couple of times I blew it, putting too much rudder into it. But then um, I was able to do the funnel and I was just like, wow. So kind of the rest of the flights kind of progressed down to getting used to odd orientations and how to recover from them. Because, I mean, flying up that high, I'm not 100% confident that I know where my helicopter's pointing when I come out of that funnel and that sort of thing. And so that's, that's something I have to continue working on. But... But yeah, I was doing funnels and TikToks, things that I didn't think that I'd even get close to in this class. And it, it was a pretty amazing thing, yeah. um, you know, and uh, it, it was really cool. It, it, you know, definitely well worth the money. Um, you know, we were kind of saving money to go out to Urcha again, and we, we decided to do this class instead. And, uh, and it was well worth the money. I mean, we're, gonna, we're already planning to do it next year. I mean, we're going to get it on the calendar before Todd leaves today and, or, or tomorrow. I guess he flies out tomorrow morning. Um, but we're going to make sure that we, we do this class again because it was just amazing. Absolutely. So we've kind of all been talking a little bit, and we're going to get to Jonathan here in a second. Steve, tell us about the mental aspect. Uh, tell us what this class has done for you on the mental side of flying. Well, if you saw my last flight yesterday, you, <laughs> you'd think I was a, a, yeah, mental, yeah. a mental case. But uh, no, yesterday, running right the fun flight and everything, was, it was kind of a rough for both Jack and I. But um, the mental aspect... You know, it's it's pretty amazing. I'm used to doing doing a lot of mental things and what I do for my job and everything, but it's just it's just completely mind blowing. I mean, it, I felt like because uh, I also fly fixed wing aircraft um, 
for Solar Patrol and, and I felt like I was just a brand new pilot again, you know, and I had Todd in the back of my head. I know, and I know he's going to be there for the rest of the year too, you know, too much rudder, you know, and just, and I'm going <laughs> to hear him, come on, just nut up and do it, yeah. you know, all, all the typical phrases that we heard this week. But um, the mental aspect is, is, is very tough. You've got to keep yourself disciplined. I mean, the first thing that happens is you want to jam that stick forward, you know, and uh, to make it smooth. I mean, even yesterday, I was, uh, there was a couple of times I was still jamming that stick forward. So I've got I to gotta make sure that I just learn to calm down and not do that. And let me, t- let me talk a little bit about the mental thing. See, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the smoothness, you know, the, the short input. So the, the hardest thing that I dealt with over the past few days was getting through with the maneuver, but being smooth enough in the maneuver that you don't have to freak out when you finish the maneuver because you were smooth enough that you can put the helicopter in a position and then have Todd in the back of your head saying, let go of the sticks. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. That's a big part of it. I mean, they basically, uh, you know, uh, you, you put in, you jam the stick or, you know, forward flip, you just slam the sticks and slam collective. You're going to have a problem to deal with at the, when you're done with that. Um, whether it's nose down too much and then you're going to correct with too much back elevator and you get on the seesaw thing. So the big thing is, is that th- this stuff is, is really cumulative, so to speak, because, um, you know, you, you, when you, when, like I said, when you put in a big maneuver, if you overdo it, you're going to be trying to correct it in, in a bad orientation and usually overdo it again. So the thing is, is don't go crazy on when, when you start to do the maneuver, just stay, you know, put in a little input. If it's not enough, put in a little bit more and then you don't have a problem to deal with at the end. Yeah. You know? That, that was a, that was my hugest hurdle to cover. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. And incredible. it's and the funny thing is, Dan, it's a, it's the same thing for a lot of people. I mean, every once in a while, it's just in Iowa, and I had a student. Uh, what, what was his name? He's making fun of the way Nick Maxwell holds his radio, so it's pretty funny. Um, but it's uh, Ryan Sams, I think, and um, Ryan was just flying up higher, and uh, what he needed was. I mean, I taught him off the court, and he just needed the confidence to bring it down, down lower. But you could evaluate him very quickly and see that. Everything up high was not descending at all. So I had him flying pretty much, you know, his hurricanes were 100 feet up in the air. And uh, by the end of the, the, t- the second day, he was down to five feet doing hurricanes, um, uh, you know, and it was just not moving. So the kids pick it up, obviously, very quickly. It's a hand-eye coordination thing. But he uh, was just phenomenal. And it's like, wow, this kid is just amazing. So um, he went back to his home field and, and the all the airplane guys were like, what got into you? You know, but that, it's just adapting to what people need you know and evaluate and being able to evaluate very quickly if you don't i don't have a week to do that i mean i've got to do it and 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 you know if you're flying i got to evaluate you in 10 15 minutes are you nervous are you not are you blowing stick inputs but the the common thing is for the first classes especially is helicopters falling apart and way too big a stick inputs and pilots that are way too nervous you know so and we brought up like we said you didn't get in this to be a nervous wreck you got in it to have fun so you know, make it fun. And every once in a while, you're going to stick one into the ground. I did that the other day with a G4 and uh, thinking, doing pirouetting loops uh, pretty fast, uh, coming out about five feet and thinking I got to go to the bank and I got this to do and that to do and these students to teach. And I crashed and I was like, you know, a second later, I was like, oh, I stuck it in the ground. So um, every once in a while, it does happen. And then you get back on the horse and go again. That confidence thing is is a huge thing. And part of this class uh, with, you know, learning what your helicopter can do. I mean, when Todd takes your helicopter up there and he puts it in and he says, okay, now watch this. And he just lets it, he stands it on its tail and he lets it just fall. And he turns and he looks at you and he's like, see how much time you have? And then he turns back and he looks at the helicopter and then pulls it out. 
and you're like, holy crap, that thing's, it's fallen, Todd. Watch it, watch it, watch yeah, it. Yeah. And he's like, no, you got all the time in the world. You you think this thing's just going to throw itself out of the sky, and it hangs up there for forever. And yeah. so... It's you, funny to see that at home, too, because I'll take the students up, and they're blowing a stick and put I put the helicopter up there, and it's a fly bar rave. And uh, I use those for the schools, and I work for Thunder Tiger America as a consultant and uh, Futaba still. Been doing that for a long time, and uh, owned Synergy Helicopters. Gave that to Matt when... I just wanted to get out of it, but uh, I'm miniature aircraft and Herobo and all that stuff, but, you know, it's funny to look at this stuff, and uh, you have a student up there, and you're sitting there going, no, you're doing this wrong, so you park the helicopter up there, and you look at them, and you're explaining the stick and puts, it's like, hold the radio, and they're like, look at the helicopter, you know, and it's like, no, we got plenty of time for that, so it's, that, all, it's, yeah. about, it's about a confidence thing, and Jack, in Jack's case, I mean, he didn't really even need to be on the cord yesterday, it was just, a, it was an, and, and that happens sometimes, I mean, you get an eye-opening experience from the students because um, I had him on the court and, uh, you know, um, blew the evaluation just a little bit because uh, he's a much better pilot than I than I thought and just started hitting everything towards the end and it was just like, wow, you are so ready to progress. And if you don't give people that confidence, he'll stay doing stuff on the simulator and, you know, show his wife or whatever, look how good I am on the sim and then come out and hover or something. So <laughs> well, I think it was a good, a good bump in the right direction. The nice. other big thing that... We talked about it, like Dan said, you get up there, and or Steve, I don't remember who, but you get up there, and Todd's saying forward roll, or forward flip, backward flip. Yeah, forward flip, backward flip, right roll, left roll. And oh, TikToks, yeah, tail exactly. slide. And that's something we all complain, oh, I do the same flight every time. Well, get your buddy to take, go stand next to you and have him call out what you do. Sure. And it's yeah. just split second. You don't have time to think. You just do it. Yeah. And I mean, the you, normal thing that you see too um, all the time is uh, basically these guys will do a flip, then, you know, put it back tail in and, you know, hover and feel comfortable and get that warm feeling again that everything's okay. And what I try to do is take out, you know, the, the thinking part, part of it. And, you know, your mind really works uh, with respect to flying these things like a, uh, Almost like a one, you know, the old processors, most people won't remember, but like, um, you know, the 133s and all these computers when they first started out. And you really want to get it to up to think, you know, speed like a Pentium 4 or whatever the latest Pentium chip is or a Mac for that matter. But uh, I'm a Mac guy. But, you know, it's just you, you got to think about things and really not think about things at all. When you drive a car, you're not thinking a little bit of right, a little bit of left, uh, oh, I better put on the brake, it just all comes natural, and that's ultimately where you want to get your helicopter flying to where, you know, if I go out and fly, um, like I flew a guy's, uh, my helicopter got taken off the plane, which wasn't a surprise, but uh, LAX is horrible, um, and a horrible place, but, uh, you know, I flew a guy's, um, Josh from uh, Helipros or whatever, I flew his whiplash, and it was a little on the slow side and all that, but I had no idea what I'm going to do, you just go up and not even really think about it and just, you know, let it flow, and that's really where you want to get the, you know, uh, get your flying to be to where you're not thinking about it. And you go out there and you're just, uh, you know, flying your helicopter like you'd be riding a motorcycle on a, on a track, a dirt bike, or driving a car for that matter. Yeah, you know, yeah. one thing I kind of wanted to hit on too, Jack, hit on a point, you know, uh, Todd will put you in, a, uh, in an attitude of forward flight and he'll say, look away, look away from the helicopter. So you look away and then he tells you to look back. You go, see there? It's not magic. Yeah. It's still doing the same damn thing it was when you... Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, Dan, because I have people at home that, um, you know, a fly lands on their glasses and it's not like they almost crashed the model. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, just put it in a hover, climb up a little bit and take the...
take the glasses off and get rid of the bee or fly or whatever. Let these fly bars sit in the cold, damp corners of your garage to rust or be sent to the junkyard for melting away for plank parts. Every day, the number of fly barless units increases dramatically, leaving fly bars to squander away into obscurity, not to mention the fly bar paddles. Carbon, plastic, and all of those KBDD paddles hoping to fly another day. It takes a little for you to become a special friend of the fly bar. For just 75 cents a day, you could save a fly bar somewhere across the nation. As a sponsor, you could exchange photos and letters from all the happy children currently flying their fly bar helis. So come on, pick up the phone. Call 1-800-SAVE-FLY-BAR. Thank you for your time and consideration. Save the fly bar now. Jonathan, yeah, give us your impression of the class. What'd you think? Well, I mean, I guess I should start off by saying I'm a pretty new pilot. I do not have a lot of stick time, and so you, you know, to, one of the biggest things—you you have a lot of time cracking people's backs, though. Yeah, you? exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm a chiropractor. Um, anyway, so are, are you the good, biggest? Yeah. Oh, yes, I'm the, the best. Yes, okay, self-proclaimed. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the best, but I do. I have a lot of happy patients. We'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for a minute no. yeah, yeah, don't, don't dig too deep on that one though so uh, anyway I'm pretty new and I did not feel like I could do forward flight safely at my home field and so I was kind of stuck in a really bad rut of I'd go up I'd hover I'd you know kind of mess around and, and maybe do a little bit of forward flight some real easy like stalled turns just to make sure I wasn't losing my line and and I was not progressing at all. And, you know, this weekend, because I knew I had somebody there to save my helicopter from smoking in. Yeah, now you have somebody to save it at your home field. Yeah. I was able to start doing these nice banking turns and, and these types of things. And, you know, um, Todd just alluded to the fact that one of the, a very experienced pilot from my home field was here. And Todd actually taught him how to buddy box me so that... When I get back home, I probably need another week worth of work before I'm really safe to get off that buddy cord. And I've got somebody back home who can help me. Um, you know, the build thing, that was huge. You know, if, if, you, if you put a screw in your helicopter that you don't want to come out, put Loctite on it and not just a little bit. Put it on there and make sure it's not going to come back out. And then check it, you know. Yeah, that's one of the things we picked up on the farms. You know, you should barely have the threads wet with Loctite, just barely. When Todd came here, he yeah, he told us we weren't using enough. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, a lot of times, like, uh, I've had Krauss over at the house, and he's watching me build something. He's like, what are you doing with the Loctite? And it's like, man, I do not want it to come apart in the air. But critical areas, uh, the balls on the outer ring of the swash, um, you do not want those to come out, so we use more Loctite there. A lot of them we pulled out, and... The factory oils was still on the thread, so I, I believe good flying starts the minute you open that box, you know, and the, you start constructing that helicopter. If you don't set it up right, um, 
you're not going to get the result you want. And Steve's model, we had uh, the tail performance was horrible. And um, it literally took five minutes to, um, you know, sand down one of the bushings, loosen up the tail rotor assembly. And all of a sudden we see his uh, tail rotor performance go up, you know, 150%. So he could be trying these maneuvers all he wants and that tail would just blow out. And if he didn't know any better, it would be flying that way for a year or two and until you finally learn that or fly someone else's model where the thing is locked in and then realize yours sucks, you know, kind of so to speak. So um, it, the setup is huge. Yeah. yeah. Another big thing that I learned is there is definitely something to be said for mental fatigue. Absolutely. You know, if you're out there flying that helicopter and it's your third or fourth flight of the day and you've been just ringing yourself out all day and you start to just be stupid, you know what? Get the thing on the ground. Go get yourself some water. Take a break. Take a break, yeah. Get I, your brain back before you go back up because you're not progressing. When you know it's, it's just like exercising a muscle. When it starts to fatigue, you're going to get all out of shape. You're going to end up hurting yourself. Yeah, it's like going in and doing to a gym or something and doing you know 50 sets of uh, bench pressing at heavy weight or something. I mean, you got to take a break from it. And I get all the time people coming from different countries. You know, I'm bringing a translator with me, and I'm coming out to see you, and I want 10 hours each day, and I'm like, good luck with that, you know. So um, these guys are like, oh, I'll pay you anyway, and it doesn't. That guys with a lot of money, and um, you know, and of course, making the money would be nice. Uh, but they do two hours, and they're just like, man, I learn more in the one day than I expect to learn the five, and um, they're mentally fried. And for me to keep them out there and just go through the motions to to make you know more of an hourly rate on the one-on-one -on -one training is just dead wrong in my opinion. So uh, and they regressed. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, they just start going backwards because, uh, you know, they really, uh, they're trying to stay out there and they're putting bad stuff in their mind. So the point that um, Jonathan touched on of, you know, get four flights in and always have an agenda when you go out to the field. Don't do the same things over and over. Um, you know, w for example, I always pirouette to the left, pirouetting flips to the left, you know, all this stuff that I've, that I've uh, done over the years. All the pirouetting flying, which I was known for back in the day, obviously with Curtis Youngblood, he did a lot, you know, uh, huge, obviously did a lot of the 3D stuff that all the guys are doing today. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, but you go out and you practice and, and put in four or five good flights and, uh, and then give it a break and then you'll come out the next day stronger, you know. Sounds real good. Guys, we're, we're kind of winding down, but I do I have, I have a question I want to ask the three of you, Jack, Jonathan, and Steve. Yeah. Would you recommend this class to people? Definitely. Absolutely. Hands down. It's best money you'll ever spend. You spend $1,500, 2000 on a helicopter, flying Todd out or flying out to L.A. to take the class, well worth the money. You'll never get more out of your helicopter than you will after this class. I can promise you he saved, just in how we were building our helicopters, he saved no less than five crashes this weekend just by saying, well, that's stupid. Why don't you tighten it up? Because it's going to fly off and you're going to wreck. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we felt like idiots, but it's, you know, that, that's a lesson that I think a lot of people need to learn. So take your time building your kits. Yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, thanks for, I mean, I really appreciate coming out here and it's been fun and um, I always love doing it and I love the students, um, you know, and uh, staying on top of them and, and getting, making sure they, they're, their flying's growing and, you know, my phone number's on the website. You call, you get stuck, you call, you plant one in and, got to get back on the horse or whatever. It's one of those things where you just got to keep on forging ahead, you know? So, um, and also identify one, one thing we didn't talk about was goals. I mean, set goals in the hobby of where you want to be based on how much time you have. I mean, uh, for me, uh, 
burning ridiculous amounts of fuel over the years and doing all this stuff because I just loved it. And then, you know, sponsorships and consultants and, you know, owning a portion of a helicopter company and all the things, uh, demos all over the world and stuff. I never intended for that to happen. Um, it just kind of came uh, with the territory. But, uh, you know, it's, it's you set your goals accordingly. If you have kids and a family, you obviously that's the priority, not... Uh, helicopters but um you know put it when, and that brings up another point when you do have time to go out and fly especially if you're busy kind of having to think about what you're going to do before you get to the field once you get to the field bring up the helicopter in a hover get your mind in a, in a mellow state and uh kind of get in the groove i'm sure it's no different than a musician you see these guys backstage and they're going through whatever they need to go through to get their mind uh, in a certain state i mean you watch Curtis Youngblood do F3C and at the contest, and he's uh, in his own little Zen world and all that, all that stuff. And you, I think there's a lot to learn from that, you know. Absolutely. I, I just got to say, I had a great time. I also want to make a quick mention. This is the Sage Hopper's first fun fly, and they did a fantastic job with the organization. It was a great fun fly. You guys put on a yeah. great show. And, and Jack thanks. and Steve, thanks for doing it. I think it was a great first fun fly. It'll grow from here. Um, like all the other ones, but everybody seemed to have a good time. Uh, a little hot, but uh, yeah. you know, other than that, I think it was a it was a really good showing and a good first fun fly. So absolutely, and I want to also make a mention. Uh, there's a guy sitting over here. He's kind of bashful. Troy, come on, you, Troy, speak up. Troy was uh, he's the go-to guy, man. He was the guy that was getting things done, running around. He's gonna step up and say hi. Say hi, Troy. Go ahead. Hi. I'm Troy. Hi. Hi. He's Troy. Oh, come on, Troy. Grab that microphone. You'll be all right. Lift it up. You better interview me or something. Well, you, uh, yeah, I gave you some input or whatever. Well, what I'd like to know is you and Dan had some scotch last night. Oh, we all did. And then, uh, and then we were sitting up till about 1130. I wanted to stay longer, but I could tell Steve was ready to go. So, yeah. but, uh, and then you guys stayed up till two. So what was the conversation about? Uh, we, we, we cured all the evils in the world. Oh, you did, huh? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's nice. And it wasn't all hell either. But, no. <laughs> but really? A bit, yeah. Oh, no. We were, it, well, a lot, big part, or a big part of it was helly you know but you know you can only talk about that stuff for so long sometimes you know yeah i know the feeling yeah uh, yeah. yeah but uh man it was great just uh being able to hang out and 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 see just watch the the group and and a lot of the maintenance and stuff that it's just uh you know nobody wants to put a helicopter in the ground because you don't have a, a ball link came off you know yeah. no you don't and then, you know, to put one in the ground because you something came out uh, of the swash plate or something. And really, uh, less than a penny's worth of Loctite, I mean, has uh, caused you uh, sometimes 1500 bucks or whatever, you know. So, Are you still with us, Nick? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, Nick, you should have seen these guys last night. They were drinking up a storm. Oh, Nick, oh Nick's man. seen that before. Oh, yeah. It's not a pretty thing. Can I throw one more thing? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> what do you got? I got one more thing I'd like to throw in for the for the newer guys oh, that are out there. Yeah, this is Jonathan. Oh, sorry about For that. the newer guys that are out there, um, you know, learning your hovers and stuff, one thing I would recommend is get a bigger helicopter if you can. You don't need to learn on a little thing. You know, I learned on a 450, and it taught me bad habits already. Well, let me touch on that real quick. We got the time? Sure. Okay. Um, I could go on for a couple hours, but... Uh... I'm sure you don't want it that long but anyway um you see this all the time too guys come up i got a blade cp or whatever the hell they're called and uh you know i'm um, been on this for a year and then they're putting in all these crazy inputs and then they you put them up on a on a full size you know on a 90 or whatever i like to still call them 90s and 50s but uh 
put them up on a 90 and all of a sudden it's like all these crazy inputs and what happens is that's a bad habit to break so it's it's kind of a catch-22 because you get a bigger helicopter it's a little more unsafe to learn on um, but if you do get a small helicopter try to be smooth with it or set it up to where it emulates a uh, a, a bigger helicopter because that that is the hardest thing to break with new people is they start off with the small ones and they uh, develop a lot of bad habits. It would be like driving down the road in a car, just whipping the steering wheel back and forth. And, uh, you know, obviously we don't do that when we hover or fly forward flight with the bigger models. You're way better off to do half the input and hold it for twice as long than you are to do that big input and let off of it. Yeah, and also pay attention to wind. Uh, the wind here was shifting all weekend. We had it in our face from the right, from the left. Um, you know, when you're doing things and the wind's blowing in your face, give yourself some distance. I learned that the hard way. Working on a TikTok figure eight a long time ago with an old Colt Enforcer and a, uh, maybe, uh, yeah, I think it was, and, uh, you know, mechanical gyros doing a TikTok figure eight. And I pulled that model back, didn't pay attention. The wind shifted and I pulled it uh, back. And uh, the rotor blades, I could see the swash plate and gave full negative, And uh, it was not a good experience. Yeah. Wind is important. Sounds real good, guys. Well, you know, we had a great time out here. Um, the wind is blowing. It's Wyoming. It's to be expected, I suppose. Nick, we wish you were out here with us. The wind blows yeah, because coming Montana up close, sucks. So. The home is creeping around the corner. Helipros. That's baby. right. We'd list, we'll make a quick mention of that. Of course, the podcast will be at Helipros in a few weeks. Nick will be there. Ed uh, may not be there. It's hard saying. He doesn't really know yet. Uh, these guys, Steve and Troy, you guys will be able to hear from them again. Yeah, we'll be there. Yeah, you we guys, should. you got Dan. You should try to make it to Seattle. That is a good one. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I want to go. I do want to go. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. If we I should can. give a huge shout out to RC Aerodyne too. They they actually donated a seven hundred flybard kit That's that right. we were able to give away um, or raffle off at this fun fly, and that was yeah. awesome. And Heli Pros, Heli Pros gave us a three hundred X and a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff to to raffle yeah, off. Yeah, they as stepped well. up. They give a lot of stuff. Yeah. So. And that is true. Let's uh, big thanks to Cliff over there at our Sierra Dine. You guys check that out. Uh, www.scaleflying.com. Very generous. He's been a big supporter of the show. So uh, give him uh, give him a chance. To see what you think of his helicopters. Maybe you might like something you see there. And for those of you who don't know, there are no S's in Helipros. It's a Z. So if you're trying to go on helipros.com and you're not getting there, put a Z in there. That's day one stuff, dude. Come on. Yeah, dude. whatever. <laughs> that's, that's a rookie move right there. All right, Nick, you got anything else you want to add? or? No, man, I think we're good. I just can't wait to get oh, out. Dude. Yeah, we're going to have a good time up at Helipros. You're going to have a better time in Seattle. Yeah, all right. Well, Todd, if someone wanted to get an email to you, man, how would they do that? Just check the website. It's freestyle3d.com. Uh, phone number's on there. It's the only phone I got because I found out I don't use a home phone at all, so I pay AT&T 100 bucks a month for never using the phone. Yeah. Um, so www.freestyle3d.com, um, and the phone number's on there. It's just 805-857-3399. All righty. And also, too, guys, I just can't stress enough, and we could go on and on and on about how good of a time and how awesome the class was. If, you've, if you're contemplating it, give Todd a call. And if... if if you think you can do it, if you can swing it, absolutely do it. You'll, you'll leave a much better pilot. You're going to leave that class learning. You're, you're going to learn, to, to coin Bobby Watts' phrase, you're going to learn how to learn. And yeah, that's really that's right. what it's about. Yeah, and uh, the other thing is, too, real quick, is um, 
You know, a lot of people think it's just an advanced 3D thing because I taught a lot of guys that compete in the 3D Masters now, Nigel Brown, uh, Bobby Watts, and, um, you know, things like that. But it's uh, one of those things where just raw beginners, that is the best time to get somebody. Um, and uh, a lot of guys call up and go, oh, I'm not advanced enough for your class. And it's like, well, that is not the case. I mean, I've taught, uh, I had uh, eight students from UCLA that I had to teach from the ground up. And never held a transmitter before, so it doesn't matter whether you're beginner, advanced, whatever. Yep. And uh, I'm really looking forward to having Ed take your class. I just can't wait oh, to yeah. see how he progresses. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ed's going to get to deal with, uh, I think I'm going to put him with Nick Maxwell there. So the pressure will be on to uh, mm-hmm. impress Nick, and that's a hard task. You know, I've said it on the show many times. We scared Nick Maxwell off, and maybe we can get Ed to soften him up and get him on the show. <laughs> but what we are going to do is give Ed a recorder. So he can do an interview with Nick Maxwell. That's going to be funny. Oh, yeah. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Take him out for some Mexican food. Yeah. Getting Nick to talk sometimes is tough. So, yeah. But we'll, maybe after, after the evening's over with, he has a couple of drinks. He'll probably loosen up a little bit. All righty, guys. If you want to get in touch with me, you can do that at dan at rclnation.com. Or you can, do, you can also check, catch me on the forums at Dan K. Reed on pretty much all the forums. Uh, also, to Nick, if I wanted to send you an email, not that I would, but... How would have I decided I wanted to? Oh, I suppose if you really, really wanted to, you could catch me at nick at rchelynation.com or NWM Tech on all the forums. Sounds real good. And um, we sure hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Nick, and, uh, hey, Nick, you got a cool voice, by the way, man. It's, it's super <laughs> sexy, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a good radio voice. I'm surprised Rawr. you're not. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. no. I, I got nothing on Dan, man. I got nothing oh, on yeah. it. Well, well, Dan, thanks for doing this. Um, I think it's really, it's what, what you're doing is helpful, and it shows, uh, hopefully, some. Uh, we didn't get into that too much of the humor side of it, but, uh, you know, I think it's real helpful to get the information out there, and, um, you know, and uh, I appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, what we're going to do, guys, is um, Todd's, uh, when he gets settled in after he gets done traveling, we're going to actually have him on the show again uh, where we're kind of in an environment where we can kind of cut loose a little bit. No, oh, yeah. no, no little ones hanging around, and we'll, uh, we'll get into it there. Yeah, we'll talk about Xbox gaming and stuff like that. Yeah, so. we'll have a lot of fun. We're not really sure what next week's episode is going to be about because I'm out on the road. I'm going to stay out here, and uh, definitely at Heli Pros, we'll put something together. Um, we don't know about next week's episode. I got an idea. If you want to, li- if you want to hear it, dude, of course. I think Troy, if he comes out, you guys have some more scotch. You should just like do a live show and just, just mic record it, it and just record the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> just whatever comes out. Yeah, whatever comes out. You know what comes to mind is that scene from Revenge of the Nerds. What if C A T really spelt dog? That would be good. That would be a good show. Sometimes that's sometimes it could either go. It's either going to go really good or really bad. But there'll be no in between. Well, Nick, um, <laughs> while everyone's listening, um, uh, maybe you can answer this. Do you suppose it would have been a good idea for us to record a show on Friday night at Othello? <laughs> no, I think that if we would have, anyone who had a sponsorship would probably have lost their sponsorship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By by the next morning, and we probably would have uh, lost a ton of listeners because I was being uh, wow. I got <laughs> I got lit up. Todd. Well, why don't you? Yeah, why don't you shed some light on what happened? Well, most of the listeners know about it, but I'll go ahead and tell. You. Well, yeah, well, we okay. <laughs> Real quick, yeah. So, all right. So, um, Dieter's friend Phil has been on the show. He brought this uh, hot like what do they call that stuff, Nick? Uh, a- apple pie. Hot apple pie. And what it is, Todd, it's a mixture of like Everclear and apple juice and pears, and they oh, yeah. cook it up, and it's just yeah. it's just fantastic. I tried that somewhere. 
of course, after the event. Yeah, you know? well, it was everyone was landed. Uh, I don't do night flying. It was getting night, so poured one. I'm like, wow, this is really good. And I, you know, I was poured another, poured another. I think after seven. Yeah, you can't taste that stuff. It, no. it just tastes like apple pie. After know? seven, I'm like, we're doing like Rob got a drunk dial, you know. And uh, they had to take the iPhone away from me because I was threatening to call some <laughs> people that probably wouldn't have been happy if I called them. Yeah, we did that one time. We had the same type of thing going. Kraus and I were, I think, uh, of course, it was after the thing, but we were in, in some bar somewhere and we were drunk calling all our buddies and we made the mistake of uh, calling Steve Helms, the vice president of marketing at Futaba, at like two in the morning. And Steve goes to bed about seven o'clock in the you know evening. So, Well, I can tell you this, Todd. Next time it happens, yeah. okay, guess who's getting a drunk dial? <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Talk about losing sponsors, man. I'm sure Snohomish, Todd, I'll see you there definitely oh, yeah. next month. We usually, uh, we always have a good time at Snohomish. You've done that one before, right? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. You had that super long tail boom uh, during the night. Uh, yeah, that, that Nick, Mitch what was the deal with that thing? Gave it me like, the uh, quick release version in a yeah. second. Yeah, is that like a? Uh, it was. You should have seen this, Dan. He was flying a night fly with uh, some boom. It looks like he broke off a broomstick and stuck it on. It was helicopter. the. It was the eight hundred <laughs> boom. I was just messing around with like mechanics and checking tail authority yeah. on the seven hundred. Just kind of doing my, you know dorky experiments that us techie guys like to do yeah. and then when i got all done with it i thought well i just hate to chuck it i didn't want to use it but right. uh, hey i'll just make it a permanent night rig that'll work out great i'm not going to beat it up at night yeah. as good as i would during the day well yeah wise man say make sure you run longer boom supports if you're going to have mitch price or fly it oh yeah oh <laughs> did he put he stuck it in huh Oh, it it boom struck oh, on, a, right. on an epic, uh, like a mile high tail slide. When he yeah. pulled out, he pulled full negative and just whipped it, and everything went up into everywhere where it shouldn't have been. Yeah, I think every night fly machine that's out there pretty much goes in in Seattle. Yeah, well, I put one in every year, yeah. every single year. I show up with two nineties, and I usually by Sunday I do not leave with a flying model. But we have. I mean, so much fun. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, that is the, uh, that's probably one of the, I mean, doing that event for so long has just been, uh, it's a fun event, you know. And the good thing is everybody just goes and has a good time. There's no scheduled demos. You fly when you want. It's like flying off a golf course. And yeah. of course, Bodos on the microphone at Saturday night is always epic, you know. So. Yeah, Kraus, we need to, need to see if we can keep, Kraus a little bit more sober, so he'll fly a little later into the yeah, evening. Yeah, well, he wasn't, yeah, he took the microphone last year and was not doing so good. <laughs> yeah. so, when I was out there night flying, I was going to start messing around with blade stops, and I was like, Kraus, get Kraus out here. I need your eyes, man, just to help me out oh, with yeah. some orientations, because I hadn't done blade stops at night before last year. Yeah, I don't and, know. If, uh, I don't know all I heard was a whole wall of people behind me like, dude, you don't want him anywhere near oh, yeah, out here. No. He grabbed the microphone and started... <laughs> Start doing some F bombs and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Bodo switched it out of the hands and took over. So.